Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Time to play the game where we find out who's capping. It is... This is some bullshit. This is the game where we find out if this is the bullshit. Hanif, are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Rockstar Ozzy Osbourne's wife and advocate for hashtag women always cheating, Sharon Osbourne, has abruptly exited the hit CBS daytime talk show entitled, get this y'all, The Talk, <laughs> due to defending Anglo-Saxon racist Pierce Morgan because Mr. Morgan was in his feelings that he can't have Meghan Markle, so he did what any normal white man would do when he can't get his way, uses a racial slur. Hanif, I ask you, is this the bullshit? that two British people just help you realize who started this racial colonizing Definitely some bull Okay, former President Barack Obama praised Major League Baseball's decision to move its All-Star game out of Atlanta in response to Georgia's new sweeping election law that imposes significant new obstacles to voting. ATL mayor and mayor of black women Keisha Bottoms told CNN that she don't like the MLB's decision because it takes money away from the city. However, she does like the decision. Hanif, I ask you, is it bullshit that Jim Crow not only sounds like a third basement for the ele- the third basement, I said third basement. <laughs> is it bullshit, Hanif, that Jim Crow not only sounds like a third basement for the Atlanta Braves, but is also headed for home plate in 2021? Sounds like white on white crime. And five-time WNBA star Andrew McCaltry was insulted by the gangster warrior himself, Draymond Green, because he believes that female athletes have only complained. <laughs> Are you crazy? Have only complained about the pay gap and haven't taken any real meaningful action. Hanif, I ask you, is it bullshit? That one who makes $22,246,956 this season wants to call somebody out who makes $187,750? Honey, you ain't got to answer that shit. Trayma, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's some fucking bullshit. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye bye. <laughs> it's a bunch of us. I'm a hand of calling it. Everybody on they Martin, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash a bird 40 on the Yeah, I'm acting dirty if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that they take to make a black a nation. Hold on. And now, here are your pilots the informative Hanif Sowell and the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, Nassour Nuru. <clears throat> Lieutenant Richard Zimmerman. And we're going to get to the Zimmerman part in a second. Lily, Lily, of the Minneapolis Police Department said that Officer Chauvin's, short for Chauvin's, I need, did you know that? I don't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just made that one up. <laughs> Went real good though. Right. How about that? He said that Officer Chauvin's use of force was totally unnecessary. All right. And I want to fast forward you. To my man, my man Donald Williams, who was the security guard mm-hmm. and also a semi MMA person. Oh wow! So he knows chokeholds, whether it's rare naked, a normal standard chokehold. He know how to tap you out, basically. He over here doing Kurt Angle, Daniel Cormier type stuff, right? So they have him as a witness because he witnessed what was going on. He talked about how he had to do a swim move on Officer Tao. So he can basically back up because he said he was remained 
calm and professional at all times because that's his job. As a security guard, your job is to observe, report, basically be humane, talk people down, babysit for the most part because you don't have no gun. Right. So you have to be someone that is just like, you know, your, your chi got to be high. Right. Your chi got to be high just to make other people cheese high like yours in that moment of time. Right. Because there's a moment of peril. Somebody in eight minutes and 46 seconds is about to die. Word. Okay. So I found it funny that this, this uh, attorney that was trying to do the cross-examination on Donald Williams was using his uh, quote-unquote wrestling as a way to say, well, did he really, did the officer Chauvin really like put him in a chokehold that would consider George Floyd life in peril mm. instead of just being, uh, you know, someone resisting arrest? And they was over here, even the judge was like, yo, my man, hold on one second, put the mic, hey, yo. The way you answer that, you, you're not a doctor, so right. you can say whatever you want, but don't say it. And for me, for Donald Williams, who, who handled himself very well, in my opinion, uh-huh. I found it funny that even in life, even in 2021, in order for us to overcome, we have to be coached by three white people. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> like, this is silly. You know what I mean? Someone that has to observe and report got talked to in a, in a way where, yo, oh, wait, you, you said that that you called them all bums and you said that it was, uh, I'm sorry, smarts, I have to curse this stuff out. They were mm. mother Like that was the district attorney asking Donald Williams, did you say these things? And he like, well, I did. I did. I did. Don't worry, y'all. Y'all going to hit a video with this. I'm going to put that on. I'm going to play that on, on his show. But I found this guy to be my MVP of at least day two of the trial. Right. He handled himself very well. And, um, you know, I'm just very, very shook. I ain't going to lie because this Zimmerman thing, let's say, and I don't, I don't want to just put this bad vibe out here, but let's just say Officer Chauvin gets off. Is it the first time? Because we saw a non-police officer in Zimmerman. How about that? Got off. How about that? In cold blood. Yeah. What say you to any of this, my man? Um, so I want to say, like, I've been purposely trying to avoid watching the trial. Um, I caught it when I was in the barbershop last week because they, they were watching and then everywhere you go, people are tuned into this trial. And some of the things that stood out to me was that they actually have like a full-on production. Uh, my barber was watching it on headline news and they were like, you know, showing video clips of, you know, the incident. They were showing pictures of George Floyd uh, deceased in the ambulance. Um, they were interviewing one of the EMTs that showed up and, you know, just getting a description of trying to determine whether he was actually dead on arrival or did he die later on in the hospital, right? But the thing that I that stood out to me and the reason why I've been avoiding it and one thing I want to kind of, you know, put out there to people is that you being tuned in, you're becoming emotionally invested in this trial and everything that's going on. I've seen people having arguments about some of the testimonies. I've seen people just getting riled up, just feeling like this thing isn't going to go our way. And if it doesn't go our way, there's going to be a repeat of last summer. There's going to be people in the streets. There's going to be violence, riots, and all of these things. But at some point you have to ask, is it by design? Because they are showing this on every channel that you turn on and people are really focused in on this. So I just want people to be mindful of what they're putting into their psyche and, you know, as it pertains to this trial. So Hanif, the question is, if Officer Chauvinist gets off, mm-hmm. shall black Minneapolis riot 
Let it burn. In that statement, you said, like, I really wanted to beat the shit out of the police officers. You said that. Yeah, I did. That's what I felt. You were angry. No, you can't paint me. I was angry. I was I was in a position where I had to be controlled, of control professionalism. I wasn't angry because I stayed on the curb. Jack is non-responsive. Overruled. Overruled. Next question. Thank you. You started calling them names. Yes? Yeah, you heard that. Yeah, you heard right? the video. You call him a tough guy, right? You, you watched the video. You call him a real man, right? You watched the video. Okay. You do have to answer the question yes or no based on what he's asking. I'm going to ask you that again, so your answers should be yes or no, okay? Yes. You called him a tough guy. I did. You called him a real man. I did. You called him such a man. I did. You called him bogus. <laughs> I did. You called him a bum at least 13 times. That's what you counted in the video? That's what I counted. And that's what you got, 13. And that was early on, right? It, it, those terms grew more and more angry. Would you agree with that? They grew more and more pleading for life. All right. After you called him a bum 13 times, you called him a f***ing bum. That's what you heard? Did you say that? Is that what you heard? I'm asking you, sir. I'm pretty did sure you I say did. that? You heard that. I'm pretty sure you did. You call him a f If that's what you heard, I'm sure that's I'm what I'm asking did. you, did you say that? If that's what the video recalled, that's what I did. You called him a if that's a video you heard from view? It's a yes or no, sir. If that's what was heard in the video, yes, I did. And at one point, you said that Officer Tao pushed you. That's correct. He, didn't, he put his hand in my chest, is what I said. And you observed Officer Tao push someone else, right? Or feel like you, he pushed someone else. I didn't let him touch anyone else. Do you recall saying, I dare you to touch me like that. I swear I'll slap the, f the f out of both of you. Yeah, I did. Hey, yo, what the f This is a pally right here. Why can't I differentiate Michael Rappaport from his character, Remy, on Higher Learning? Um, if you've seen in the news, uh, there's some controversy happening with uh, Brooklyn Nets player Kevin Durant. Uh, he and actor Michael Rappaport had a back and forth in a private uh, uh, Instagram DM conversation where Kevin Durant was saying some, um, let's say, unflattering things to Michael Rappaport in response to Michael Rappaport commenting on how Kevin Durant was acting in an interview. I want to start this off by saying that I ain't with Michael Rappaport since he shot Tyra Banks in Higher Learning. And I know it's a movie, but I just, he played that character too well. He, he said too well, flowed off his tongue. And I know Michael Rappaport is one of those, you know, he, he hangs out with a lot of rappers. He talks to talk. He's from New York. So he's one of them white people that we typically would invite to the cookout. But nah, he still has that Aryan. I see him with a bald head and, and a swastika sticker every time that I look at him. So with that being said, I feel like it was, it was 
corny for him to publicize those tweets. I do think that Kevin Durant was right in part of me smart uh, in calling him a guzzling sucker. <laughs> so I feel like I, I just I, it's just banter. Like when you think about sports, if you've ever played any sports, there's talk that goes along with it. And clearly they had a rapport where they kind of talked to each other like that. And Kevin Durant was just getting some frustration off his chest. But to to ultimately publicize that, and then now Kevin Durant is going to get a $50,000 fine from the NBA and he had to apologize and all of that. I just, uh, I don't like Michael Rappaport and I never have, so. Okay. Let me handle this for you. All right. I have things I want to say. First of all, Michael Rappaport has to be a decent actor if a Jewish person can wear a swastika. Mm. That's number one. Now, after that, I'm not saving him no more. Okay, I'm just giving, <laughs> I'm just giving him that one for you, all right? Just that one. Right. I can understand you still don't like him. I'm just letting you know. Jewish writer, actor, played a Nazi. You're welcome. All right, so check me out. <laughs> so, Hanif is a texter. I am a talker. This is a weird show, right? Check me out. This is where, for me, as a human being, I'm very shook to post things, text things out to people. We was actually talking about, about Deshaun Watson a couple of weeks ago right. when you was like, yo, if I'm Deshaun Watson, um, I was going to actually play the clip, it, but the clip is not as funny as me about to do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Not like do your voice, but I'm just saying with the energy, you was like, yo, man, if I was Deshaun Watson... I would just DM women and da-da-da. And I was like, hold on, I wouldn't do that. Right. This is why I'm saying that because, see, there's a big difference between documentation and evidence. Okay. You can text whatever, but you don't know what type of people you're dealing with. Yeah. Some women, even though they be like, yeah, I definitely would do X, Y, and Z with you, Deshaun, but they're going to have that as evidence. Right. Look, he called me baby and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. And they'll use that against you as evidence. So in this case, Michael Rappaport did that. So I want to show America the loophole of life. Now, before I say this, it's a full disclaimer. We are, this is just a scenario, okay? We're, we're, this is a scenario with an anti-gay slur and an anti-Semitic slur. I'm not going to say the slur. I'm just saying what you can do in public without having to deal with any of this. If you willing to use verbal communication, we understand <laughs> texting. There's there's a lot of pros in texting, but there's some cons in texting because the con in texting is evidence. People use this as evidence. I thought you text me and ask me, yo, am I doing this? I give you an answer. You know what I'm saying? That's how it go. But, but just hear me out. So verbally, Kevin Durant could walk up on Michael Rappaport in New Hope Village and be like, yo, you are anti-gay slur. You are anti-Semitic slur. And nothing could happen at that moment. Now, if you try to pull his phone and do something, you could just bow, smack that out your way, bow, get up out of here. Knock him the f out. And even if he tell the police, police is going to ask him, how, where's the evidence? Right, how did, about that? Did he say anything? No, what? He, what, huh, he, he, he called me a, huh, he called, huh, 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 my value is in my talking and I wish Kevin Durant would have did the same thing because yeah, Michael Rappaport is somebody that you can invite to the cookout. However, he's still somebody that shouldn't be running around talking about, hey, yeah, you get smacked up for that. Definitely. That's when you, be you become a guzzling sucker. <laughs>
Kyrie bought a house for George Floyd's family. Is he better than LeBron? So we've talked about Kyrie Irving on this on this podcast before, right? We've talked about LeBron James. We've talked about some of the antics that's off the court that Kyrie participated in and Kyrie becoming quote unquote woke. I know you don't like that word, but so Kyrie is, you know, recently purchased a home for uh, George Floyd's family. Uh, as his way of giving back and, you know, just trying to support the family and all that they're going through and the trial that's happening and everything like that. So he bought him a nice home. Um, and the question that I, I was asking, um, and it was I was being a little facetious, but he uh, it, it, does that make him better than LeBron? Because LeBron is a social justice warrior and now Kyrie are, is doing things for the community as well. But is he better than LeBron, LeBron James in him doing that. Okay. First of all, I would like for you to at least compare Kyrie Irving to other basketball players. Mm. How about Steph Curry? What about James Harden? Maybe even Kevin Durant. You know, they do social justice things too. What about Russell Westbrook? (laughs) You know, Russell Westbrook, he out here doing things. What about Devin Booker? Yeah. What about Chris Paul? Chris Paul has State Farm commercials. Come on, LeBron. LeBron's the GOAT. I get it. He's Somebody went to the finals 11 times, won four. The other one went to the finals three times, won one because of the person that went to the finals 11 times. Now, let's go into the -the off-the-court things, okay? So, someone has a school. (laughs) Someone does not, okay? Someone has Uncle Drew. Someone is starring in Space Jam, and has a production company where Surviving Remorse was on stars for five seasons, okay? And a barbershop uh, type of crap that was on HBO, okay? Also, also, Kyrie has sneakers. LeBron has LeBrons. Mm. Oh, and then on top of that, I don't know what Kyrie best friend doing, but what is what is Rich Paul, uh, LeBron James best friend doing? Oh, Being the president of a sport agency, which makes LeBron the shadow president of that sports agency. Mm. Come on, man. Who's better, bro? Who's better? So there's no comparison, but yeah, I feel Um, like... No, look, he bought bought a house for George Floyd. That's what's up. I mean, that's that's like somebody coming to me and was like, yo, look, I know you did this, 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 and that, but yo, here's the table. All right. And I feel like if Kyrie came in there talking about some, yeah, but I bought George Floyd a house. I'm like, LeBron probably like, what about Tom? Right. Do something. Yeah. I'm changing lives out here. Definitely. I mean, why you ain't changing somebody's life from New Jersey? You know, them Jersey heads going to know about what you just did, right? Somebody said that. Somebody, I, I mentioned this too, was saying that he probably has family members that could use a house. <laughs> Burn that sage. There you have it, folks. Burn that sage, dog. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here. Oh, my birthday is on 420, by the way. So <laughs> that's probably why I'm partial. I don't even smoke weed, though. Now that weed is legal, should we all be half-baked? Did you ever see the back of a $20 bill, man? No, I don't know, yo. Did you ever see the back of a $20 bill on weed? Oh, there's some weird there's a dude sitting in the bushes, man. Does he have a gun? I don't know, man. I don't know. What? What? Red team, go. Red team, go. It's just some weird Man, man you crazy, yo. Oh, it's cool. Thanks, man. Hey, yo, wait. 
dude, I'm gonna check out the stars later. It's really trippy. Especially on weed, man. Okay, so uh, New York is one of the states that uh, recently legalized recreational marijuana. If you realize last month, New Jersey legalized it. Um, so I believe the total is now 15 states in the U.S. who are legal for recreational use of marijuana. And I wanted to talk about this because... You know, I had some people who had questions uh, about the legalization. Like somebody I was talking to yesterday mentioned that they think that it's okay to walk around with a pound of weed. They th <laughs> they said that, oh yeah, I think they let you walk around with up to a pound. I'm like, what? <laughs> if you walking around with a pound of weed, you are a drug trafficker. I just want people to be be aware of that. Uh, my cousin. <laughs> Asked me yesterday if it was now okay for him to smoke and drive. I said, no, I can't drink any and drive. You can't smoke and drive. That would be considered a DUI. So I just want all of us to be careful in understanding what legalization of marijuana means. Yes, you can recreationally use marijuana. You can purchase it. You cannot sell it unless you are licensed to do so. But we know how we going to do. We know how black people are going to get down. We know how hustlers are going to get down. But I just want people to be aware that there are still things that can happen. Now, the, 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 the article that I sent you, they talked about uh, it not being a probable cause that if the cops pull you over and smell marijuana in your car for them to search your vehicle. So that's another thing you have to be mindful of as well because a lot of people get you know, caught up in that too where the cops would use that as justification. Oh, I think I smell weed. They search your car, they find a gun. Now you're in jail for five to seven years you know, just on a whim. Five to seven years? That's light for New Jersey? No, I mean, you probably doing one to three months. What are you talking about? For a gun? Oh, 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 I think it's about weed. No, I'm saying if they smell weed <laughs> in your car and then they search it, but you also have an illegal weapon. Oh, it's on. Now you hemmed up for something crazy. Yes. So now that this is the case, so you want to be aware, because what happens is when the cops pull you over, right, they're going to ask you, I mean, like, could we search your car? It's a question that you can say no to. Right. Right? But if you're doing something illegal, like smoking and driving, they have now probable cause to search a vehicle. So you have to be careful of who you have in your car, what you're doing in your car. But this does give you some leeway because if you if you say you sat in the parking lot and smoked in your car and then you started driving and the cops smell weed, they don't not, they no longer have the grounds to search your car as a result of that. So keep that in mind. For those who do not know, April is a very special month because Hanif is going to be a different age. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to say something to America, to black America, to, to just you, period. If you are the ages that me and Hanif are, which is not 40, but definitely not 32 either. Okay, let's just say that. Right. All right. All right. So we are grown, grown. I want to help people that love to smoke weed. All right. I'm going to show you how to be an adult. Okay. First... You go to a place called truilla.com, okay? And then you may have to download the app, okay? When you download that app, um, depending on how many people are with you, you want to go for apartments. Now, for me, I would go for one-bedroom apartments, okay? You, 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 listen, just, just hear me out. You go to a one-bedroom apartment and you pay. This is what you pay. You pay a rent and a security <laughs> deposit, okay? This is... Listen... This, 
Hanif, am I saying something wrong yet? No. Okay. You do these things, right? And then you get a key. Maybe from a Jewish person, maybe from an African, whoever <laughs> runs the property, right? And then you walk into the apartment, right? And then you close the door and you recognize that you can smoke the f weed in your mother house, yeah. Oh, stop doing that, yo. Stop smoking in the mother car, yo. Just cut the as a person, yo. I got locked up in um, what's the name of that town? Not Lakewood. It's a small town is by, it's called Fanwood, New Jersey. Okay. F-A-N-W-O-O-D, New Jersey. I already paid all my fines off. I can say what the f I want. $2,000 worth of fines for two dom bags of weed. Two. That's crazy. That's $20 worth of weed driving to Plainfield, New Jersey to go see some Haitian woman, okay? This is definitely 2008. This is the Monte Carlo days, okay? okay, okay. The first one, part one, okay? Right, right. I get pulled over and let me tell you something. I am... <laughs> I must have been the bravest black young man that moment because they asked me like, yo, you got weed in the car? I'm like, listen, my eyes red as a mother... Like, listen... Yeah. I'm like, it ain't that much, though. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. He said, well, what are you talking about? I said, man, listen, I got two bags, and that's it. And I'm trying to get home. It's like four in the morning. Right. Well, why you leave the house? Yo, because me and the, the Haitian woman had an argument, and she started talking in her, her words, and I don't know what that meant. It could have meant vu and do. I left. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I'm making jokes trying to see if he's going to laugh and whatever. And he kind of giggled, but I still got to get out the car. But you got pulled over. I got pulled over, dog. That was her voodoo. That was crazy. Mm. So get an apartment, ladies and gentlemen. RPM. They got a pre-application. You know what I'm saying? You could just, you know, fill that stuff out. You know what I'm saying? Get your own place. Smokey weed in the house. If you would like to be a guest on the late night flight, hit me in my Facebook DM at Hanif Sowell or email us at the late night flight at gmail.com. Should we move to Texas because Elon Musk said so? What's the interesting part? I'm with you. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out with Elon Musk. Um, I guess like, yo, in my mind, right? Yeah. If if there's a way that Tesla is a, one of those companies, like, because before there were labor unions, before there were um, like the, the work structure that we have today, uh, JP Morgan, some of like those rich oil tycoons back in the day used to have companies where you work for the company, they provided your housing, they provided you could buy groceries from the company. It was like a one-stop shop. You worked, you know, maybe 60 hours a week mm -hmm. and you had somewhere to live. You had food. You had, it was like a sort of a, a, a high-end peonage where it's like, you're not necessarily getting the highest salary, but all of your basic needs are met. Right. And it feels like this is kind of sort of the thing that Elon Musk is doing where he's encouraging people to come and, you know, live in this specific town in the specific area that's going to be all tested Tesla, mm. and you know you're gonna have your needs met, but you have to ask yourself what is the trade-off in that. You watch Netflix, correct? I do. Have you watched Wild Wild Country? I have not. You still haven't watched it. I haven't. You I'm know sorry. what I'm talking about, though, right? No, I'm not familiar. With okay, it. so Wild Wild Country. I'm gonna give you uh, something super quick. Like this is Nick notes. That's not even Cliff notes in this mother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, no, for real. So it's a Indian brother. Forgot his name. That's what I'm saying. I got to give you something real quick. Mm -hmm. This dude, I don't know how he got his money. I don't know where he get money from, but he had the money to fly from India to 
Oregon in the United States, found some land, bought the land, created a community. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is doing the same thing, huh? Mm. And and it's a Tesla community. Mm, right. So this is some new type of wild, wild country. This is some auto country thing going on where uh, through the through the making of Tesla, you're going to get to create a new life, a new unincorporated community. I think that's the term that they use with these cities now in right, these days. Right, right, right. And they're going to get their own post office. I mean, because it's Elon Musk, so it ain't going to be just any other post office. It's going to yeah. be like some robotic dog right, just right. handing you mail. It's going to be a whole nother town. The Jetsons. Yes, yes. It, it's intriguing in a way, mm-hmm. but then it's also like, you know, people like their autonomy. People like to be able to make their own decisions. And it's like, yo, if, if you get fired for showing the blade or whatever the rules are, like you out. You're out completely. You got to move out of the state. The thing <laughs> is, do you, do you like your rich tycoons to be more like Warren Buffett? where he seemed just small and pleasant and nice? Or do you want the, the Lex Luthor's? Mm. Because Elon Musk and Bill Gates, Bill Gates is a very geeky version of Lex Luthor. Right. And Elon Musk looked like he has Lex, Lex Luthor on top of his bed. Like, yeah. that's, his, that's his mounting painting right there. Like, Definitely. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's how I look at Elon Musk. I, he's, he's an evil genius that just hasn't been exposed as evil yet. Right, right. And he understands his influence because he moves the market with tweets and he knows that he can do it and he strategically does it. And it's interesting to see the impact that he's going to have on, on the world. Um, quick question though, uh, on this. It's slightly related. Because remember you were saying, we, talk, we talked in the past about when um, Teslas, they're going to start doing the autonomous vehicles. And I was so like, yo, yeah, yeah, I ride in the Uber that don't have a driver. I was cool with that. So I've been, yo, I've been seeing Teslas when I went to Florida last week. I saw like everybody had a Tesla. Then when I come back, I'm seeing Tesla, 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 Tesla. So they have their autopilot feature already established in the Tesla. So basically what's happening is you can be in Home Depot shopping or whatever, and you hit a button on your key and the car pulls up to you so that you can get in. Then... If you're driving a long distance, you can set the coordinates for the GPS, and then all you have to do is basically touch the steering wheel every five minutes to let let the car know that you're not asleep, and the car is going to drive you to your destination. And I want that. I want that. What say you? <laughs> if your birthday's coming soon, my friend. If, if that's what you want. I will, I will, I will rob half of Newark to get it for you, right, man. <laughs> if that's what you want, you want a, you want an autopilot Tesla. Well, God, my friend, you're going to get an autopilot Tesla. All right. I don't want you to have anything that you don't want. But as a friend, though, I would try to like not get you that. Though, like, <laughs> what, you, what you think is it, like you just you scared that like it'll just do what it want at some point. So, um, what's the guy that was a paraplegic that died? Stephen, uh, Stephen Hawkins. Hawkins, right? Stephen Hawkins said this was on HBO. This was on last week tonight with John Oliver. He had a um, an interview with him, and they asked him, um, "Do you think computers could rule the world? Can you know artificial intelligence can rule the world?" He said, "This was this there was this joke where." They found that when they first made the computer and they they got the computer to basically talk through their texting, through the code and embed, whatever. 
the doctors, or not the doctors, I guess the scientists asked the computers, the technology, the technology people, they asked the computer, um, can you speak? And it said, yes. Could you answer any question? The computer said, yes. So then the computer asked them, is there a God? Mm. And then the human said, no. Mm. The computer found some energetic way to strap itself on the plug so it can never get out. And then said, there is one now. Really? Interesting. So yeah, my friend. That's crazy. I would not buy you that. <laughs> I just want to let you know. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? It's like, right. yo, you giving something that you don't really know. Too feel. much control. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Like that. That's the only reason why I understand when zoologists be like, oh nah, if that giraffe or if that lion or if that gorilla do some crazy stuff to a child, we have no other choice but to take it out because we have to show that control as top of the food chain, period. Right, right. And animals see that shit. It ain't like the, the snakes and the and the beavers is like, hey yo, you saw what um Hanif just did to that gorilla? Hey yo, nah, see these motherfuckers playing, yo. Well, you better shape up, motherfucker. About to come over here next. Oh, no. <laughs> Hanif, yo, my, hey, my man. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You got to keep yourself in control. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I'm not into that. I see, I see. I'd rather yell at an Uber driver that don't speak my language. I don't look, no disrespect. It's just like, listen, no, no, make the left turn. Right, right. I'd rather have that than something autonomous. Talking about no, no, left turn. Oh, like, no, I, <laughs> they gonna lock you in the car and be like, listen, you going where I want you to go. Mm-hmm. I got you. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh. All right, I just won't use that feature on the car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, what the f? This is a pallet right here. Did DMX put out two classics in one year? So yeah, that that begs the question for us earlier um, in comparing those two albums because DMX did something phenomenal where I stated that he released two classic albums in one year. He technically released two commercially successful albums in one year, in the year 1998, uh, which is something that, you know, was, would be hard to do because the first album is an undebatable classic. The second album is, I would say, in my opinion, a debatable classic because depending on, you know, your level of love for DMX or, you know, your, uh, you being a fan of his is going to determine how you receive that album. I remember in 1998 how DMX ran rap music. You know what I'm saying? It's Dark As Hell Is Hot was something different. You know what I'm saying? He was bringing us like, the album, you can listen to it straight through, straight up, undeniable classic. And then like, yo, not even, what, 10 months later, he drops another album and it got more bangers on it. And you hear it playing you know what I'm saying? In the hood, you seeing it. Uh, as I was doing my research for this, though, um, the the record Slipping, which is actually one of my favorite DMX songs, um, was what gave it its commercial success because that album like topped the Billboard charts for like weeks straight. And I think that was his crossover single that brought most of the success to that album. Okay, um, I have no qualms with anything that you said, uh, especially when you cleaned it up and said that 
Flesh on my flesh, blood on my blood is a debatable classic. I mean, that's a perfect word. I, I, I cannot argue you down when you use the term debatable classic. I mean, I think it's a good album, period. You know what I mean? Classic, I mean, yeah, it's debatable. I will debate you and let you know it's a good album. Right, so right. I get that. Um, yeah, man, I mean, again, DMX has a top 10 album of all time as far as rap is concerned. Sure. So that, that puts him... In that, in that pantheon of some of the greatest impactful rap artists of all time. Right. You know what I mean? As far as impactful, because DMX downfall, you know, we know what it is. We ain't got to talk about that. It's just the fact that it matter. This man is so impactful. He should be in our top 10 dead or alive. Definitely should be in the discussion. The, the, the fact that a matter of the up and down because of what we're talking about. Right, right. Has been that issue because in my opinion the third album and then there was x and then the one he came out i forgot the name of it but it has that little uh pitbull dog on it um, i forgot the name of that album oh my god that album is actually not that bad yo dmx can put out good music it's not and then there was x it was oh, after the, that yeah it was after that one because this is the one where he basically came back and he was like da -da, da -da, da -da. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know that right 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 that shit. I'm about to move here singing. I wonder, like, what with, with, with DMX, my opinion on DMX and why we don't mention him with the Nas's and the Hoves and the Bigs and the Pox is simply because of I don't know that DMX evolved much through the times. I think he came into rap at a time like the gritty, the, the end of the gritty 90s. We were going into like the bling bling era and all of that. And he was the antithesis of that. I, I think it was just the consistency. In okay. my opinion, in life, period. And maybe that's, maybe in uh, another thing that you're seeing with the late night flight, I truly believe in consistency. Mm -hmm. Consistency matters. That like the great, what do we talk about with Jay-Z, the eight, yes, Grand Champ. That's the name of the album with DMX with the dog on the front for those who was talking about. Didn't, But anyway, let's get back to Jay-Z real fast and then we can get to DMX because his point is my point to DMX and consistency. The eight summers, that should be on Jay-Z's tombstone. I'm not killing you, Jay. I'm just making a point. Eight summers. That's consistency. Right. When you and then he raps it all the time. Eight straight summers. Like, yeah, you did do that. Right. You yeah. It shows if DMX gave you eight straight summers of DMX. Cause that's what that's what we was just talking about, me, you, and Smarts earlier. It's like Rough Riders versus Rockefeller right. could have been something real. Right. That is like NWO versus four horsemen level of mm -hmm. beef right there. That could have been crazy. DMX, Dragon, Eve, The Locks mm -hmm. versus Beanie, Memphis, Bleak, Jay-Z. This is before Kanye, so you can't even use them. Right. Jay-Z, Memphis, um, Beanie Siegel, and whoever Beanie Siegel want to bring, like Oskino and Sparks, whatever. That's still, a, that's still a fight. Right. That's a fight. That's a money rap fight. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And then here's what Jay-Z do. This is why you know Jay-Z is one of the greatest businessmen too. He like, oh, nah, these dudes hot. Jigga, put right. me up on there. Money cash. So he just joined forces with him. Yeah. And let the world decide who y'all like more. Yeah. And it turned out to be Jay-Z. Because Jay-Z had more of a commercial style. So that's the one thing I will give you with as far as with DMX, where it's like, oh, he did that grimy shit, but that grimy shit was working. And he was setting the trend anyway. Exactly. So as long as he keeps setting the trend with consistency, you feel 
he'd be in our top 10. Onyx would have been the as a rap group. Mm. Until Sticky Fingers got smacked up in the face on that on that, on that yeah, boxing thing. Yeah, that killed yeah. his career because it's like y'all came out on some grimy, sticky finger, dirty right. shit. Right. Yeah. You can't be you can't be losing fights to, <laughs> to normal dirty people. White boy. You can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like it just that's just how that goes. So in that discussion, that that spawned off into the discussion about 50 Cent. I and mean, we talked about how um, his debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying, was so impactful and it was a classic album. And then he followed it up with a double album, kind of sort of like how DMX did with The Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood. Now, I know to me, there's no debate in saying that Get Rich or Die Trying is better than or, you know, uh, holds a candle to It's Dark or Hell is Hot. It's equal at this point. I got to go back and listen to both albums for me. Okay. I just got to go back and listen to it. But in terms of impact, like if we're thinking impact, culture, moving the culture. 50 Cent. Really? I, like it's, we're talking about impact. Like, let's, let's look, DMX was hot is hell. Mm-hmm. Let's not lie to ourselves. 2004, 50 Cent was the hottest artist. Not rap artist. He was the hottest Artist, okay. Those mixtapes he put out, right, right. That killed the world. Okay. He didn't even put. Yo, Wangster wasn't even on an album yet. Like that was a that was from a movie soundtrack. Right. That was the biggest song in the world. Yeah. Then when in the club came out, mm. in the club came out. You yo, tell me what song from "Is Dark as Hell Is Hot" was as big as in the club? Mm. Fifty Cent, yo, go. Go, right. go, go shorty. It's your birthday. I, so I think, I think. He had bigger impact. We, you got to adjust, you got to scale for the times. No, not right? in my opinion. Okay, I'm sorry. So in mm-hmm. the 90s, right? But that's 98 and the other one was in 2004. That's a, that's a six year difference. Yeah, but I feel like it was two different eras also because in the 90s, right? 90s rap. Hip hop was kind of gaining traction. That's the golden era everybody's putting out. So one, DMX had way more competition for him to be the hottest rapper amongst the hottest rappers. Between Jay dropping shit when he dropping, between the Nas Nas had albums like the 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 who's who of hip hop artists was dropping and putting out good music and DMX was still ahead of them in terms of his impact with that album. Who was 50 Cent competing with in 2004? Okay, so I don't think as much of, okay, I'm going to answer this right. I want to answer this the right way. There is not not necessarily competition. It's not like DMX is like, oh, Jay-Z out here, Mace out here, I got to have a dope album. They all rocking together. They're all rocking together. Now, I would say this. He has the level of talent in the 90s is much higher right. than the 2004 era. But I will say this. Think about the... I'm about to give you names in 2004 that was out. T.I. Okay. Ludacris. Jay-Z. Kanye West. Mm-mm. Okay? So he did have competition. That's all I'm saying, my brother. All right, so let's go back real quick. And he went uh, diamond off that album too, my brother. <laughs> Rough Riders Anthem versus In the Club. Come on now. No? Come on now. In the Club. Really? Not even a conversation. In the Club. That clear. That clear. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. Rough Riders Anthem is the s. 
stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. Like you couldn't go nowhere and not hear. Well, I know you couldn't go nowhere and not hear in the club either. But. That's all I'm trying to say, man. Like, <laughs> and, you know well, I guess if if we had to pick a song to rival it, is that the closest? That's, thing yo, from that's that album? is that is hands down. I give you that. You did that without with no hesitation. Okay, I give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that Cause I ain't gonna lie Once you hit this thing right here You ready Ready You be doing exercise in it. They call me I love the remix They call me Drag on That was that shit, Yeah That's the treadmill right there But yeah I mean I think 50 Cent As far as the album is concerned Was more impactful mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it was more impactful because of what happened to Fifty Cent being shot nine times, and right. I left, I, I left the, uh, I left the industry basically, and used that money that they gave me to make mixtapes and tell people how I'm gonna rob the industry and all that type of right, stuff. Right. It was something different in that moment. Now DMX just came out barking dog style, like, "Yo, give me that money, give me this, give me that," and that was fire. It was fire. It was something. It was a, I guess for the mid '90s, it was refreshing. Because yeah. it was starting to turn into jiggy rap. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that was the club, like, that trend of club rap was about to start happening. Because yeah. Mace and Jay-Z was about to turn this shit up. Right. And they, they made the locks get jiggy when he right. was with, when it was with Bad Boy. Right. So that, right. that, that, it was going that way. And DMX was like, nah. Yeah. Nah, dog. Please subscribe and download to The Late Night Flight on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Every subscription helps us towards our efforts in having a career in podcast radio broadcasting. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here.